Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back once again on a Monday to suffer a hangover. And with my first entrance, you would think that I've been uh, really tripping the light fantastic, Tony, because I messed that all up. But it's great to be here on another hangover. Some Steelers in the news, some things going on. We've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to talk about the draft coming up, too, and trade wins on draft day. How are you, my friend, Tony Defio? I am great. And you know what, Brian? I don't think people want to talk about the draft. They want to talk about the retro show. There are people who aren't interested in the draft. Are you out there? You don't care. Okay, let me, talk, about the draft. let me ask everybody if you want to talk about a 1978 game between San Francisco and the Steelers on Monday Night Football. The 49ers were 1-11. and The Steelers were, what were they, Tony? 10-2. Yeah, so th- that's a great matchup. But actually, we're not kidding. We just did that. We just recorded that on the retro show. It is a great retro show, It's uh, if I say so myself. So make sure you check that out when that hits later on this week. So let's get into this, Tony. Lots of stuff happening over the weekend. I'm going to get into uh, the small stuff from today, and it's not small to the players that uh, this affects, but a one-year contract for Jordan Berry, who will be back punting in the Berg once again. I would say that at least one half of our Aussies from down under, Matty P, Marky D, one of those guys is probably celebrating and the other one is lamenting. And I know a Steeler Chick 46 says, Jeff Hartman excited Jordan Berry signed by Steelers today. <laughs> hey, they they, they can't it. get rid of the guy. They can't get rid of him. They tried last year and and, and Colquitt came in and was kicking nine yards at, uh, net. So they had, to, they had to bring Jordan back. Like my 2 a.m. days, no ointment's going to get rid of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm sorry that I even said that. Uh, So (laughs) let's let's go ahead and uh, and, uh, talk about another one. So this is is real. Go ahead. No, I just, I'm looking at the live chat. I just want to say uh, people are giving you uh, lots of kudos for your your 2 a.m. show on Sunday. So everybody, please check that out. It was a great show. Uh, check it out on, on, on your audio platform or on YouTube. Please check it out. It was a great show by Brian yesterday. Well, thank thank you so much, guys. I I Guys and girls, I really appreciate that. I spoke from the heart yesterday, and I would love to buy all of you a Coke or a Pepsi or whatever your drink of choice is. Tony, what's your drink of choice? I like Diet Pepsi. Okay. I mean, it could be a beer. It could be... Well, they had that too, but I mean... Moonshine, as far as like what I drink every day to stay out of trouble, diet Pepsi. <laughs> there you go. But thank you so much for everybody saying that. I uh, I wasn't taking a look at that, so I do appreciate that. Here's some interesting news. Something that happened started happening Saturday night, and I'm not talking about the big big news, but I'm going to talk about a guy named Rashad Coward. And this this leaked because Rashad Rashad Coward's girlfriend was playing Call of Duty. And mentioned that Coward was signing a deal with the Steelers, but we had no nobody had official words. So we've known about this since Saturday night that the Steelers were going to bring the former Bears lineman in. Now this is an interesting situation because Tony he was a restricted free agent, and the time had passed. And we talked about these tenders that when you put a tender on a guy that it doesn't always work because they're going to, I mean, they're going to wait. We talked about this last week with Ola Denny. The Steelers did not put a tender on him. 
And the reason they didn't put a tender is he was not going, he was less likely to be signed because you're not going to want to spend a sixth round or a fifth round pick on somebody. And that's kind of what happened with Rashad Coward, but welcome to the Steel City. You're not going to get your same number that you had in Chicago because Kevin Dotson has number 69, but uh, this is good line depth. This guy had a lot of starting experience in Chicago as well. Everybody talks about fixing the line. Tony, do you think this helps? Yeah, I mean, not, not only do they need starters, but they need depth too. And, and you know, this uh, along with Joe Haig and even B.J. Finney, I mean, that, that all helps in the big picture. We don't know how it's all going to look whenever – all is said and done, you know, after the draft and, you know, training camp, you know, who knows, there might be players available after cuts are, are made then, but yeah, you, you just got to keep adding bodies and, 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 and hope that you can find a, a, a combination that works. So Javier Mori says, why don't I know this guy coward? I was not that familiar with him. I remember hearing his name before. Um, but the thing about coward is he, he was an he's an interesting story because he came in and was drafted as a defensive lineman, and they moved him to the offensive line. So he's also a Chicago Bear, and you don't know. I mean, gosh, it's hard to mention a lot of Chicago Bears these days, Tony. Yeah, I mean, he sounds a lot. His story sounds a lot like Al Villanueva. He started out on the defensive side of the ball, and they and they transitioned over the on, to the offensive side of the ball. So. Again, it, you know, it's 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 a depth piece, but who knows? Maybe he can he can develop into something more. We will never know. John C says he's a solid player, and uh, you know, I don't want that to be a slight to the Chicago Bears. They were a playoff team last year, but we don't hear a lot about the Bears and a lot of uh, some of those teams because we are focusing a lot here on the AFC and especially the AFC North. So there's a whole lot to talk about. We are going to talk about draft day. I don't think there was any other big, big news over the weekend, Tony. I, I don't think anything happened on Saturday with the Steelers, did it? Nothing, nothing major. Just uh, they just righted the wrong. That's all. <laughs> they, they added some. They added a starter along the line that they thought they lost. No big deal. No big whoop. Nothing to cover. Nothing to see here. <laughs> I love the Tyson Alulu thing. And as I talked about, you mentioned my show yesterday. That was a move for his family. We we talked about this. If this would have went against the Steelers, we would have probably been livid. But I like the fact that he made a decision for his family and he, he had a chance to go back on it. Not many things come great out of COVID. And as um, Jeff Hartman said on our Slack channel, one of the first good things to come out of COVID for the Steelers, because he couldn't fly to Jacksonville to sign that contract. He had time to think of it, think about it. Carl Dunbar, the defensive line coach, gets on the phone and says, you really want to go? And was recruiting him hard. He thought about it. My kids are here. My kids love the school here. Built my dream home. Do I really want to leave this? Especially, you follow that up with, uh, he's also reading, I bet you he's reading the article by Bud Dupree, which I have no problem with Bud Dupree leaving for the money that he got. He could have not gotten here. But what I'm saying is Bud Dupree's love letter to the city of Pittsburgh was beautiful. Maybe he reads that too and says, yeah, I, I don't want to lose this. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you don't know what, what these players are, 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 what their personal lives are like and, and, and what their family situations like, what, the, what they have to deal with. And, and, you know, he, here's a guy who's at the end of his career. He, he's made a lot of money already. 
and and his family's settled in in Pittsburgh. They've been here for a few years, and maybe he doesn't want to uproot everybody and, and take him back down to Jacksonville. So, you know, I don't blame him for that until until you put the until you sign the the, uh, the contract. You know, it's it's not it's not binding. So uh, maybe people in Jacksonville aren't too happy about it, but you know, he didn't do anything illegal. No, I. I tell you what, and I'm remembering that now, and that's something that I want to hold myself to and remember that some of these decisions, and you look at it like this, Juju made a decision not to uproot himself for this year, not to uproot himself. He's going to bet on himself for another year. I hope he wins that bet. I hope it's us that are paying. I hope it's the Steelers that are paying him, and I hope, right. he, I hope he has a great season and uh, earns that huge deal and wins that bet. But he took less to stick around because after weighing it and after probably thinking a lot on it, because he went around, remember, he went around to his players and said, yeah, I'm probably the fellow players. I'm probably gone. Right. You know, but you think about it. And that's a big deal. I, I know a story of of a, a coach from the a wrestling coach from the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown, who about 20 years ago was recruited by the University of Maryland for a big contract to move up, he said, my family's here. Right. My home's here. My kids go to school here. And I love it here. And he ended up winning more national championships at the at UPJ. And yeah. if, you do, if you don't know anything about UPJ wrestling, we just talked about players that you moved from defense to offense and were pretty good. Well, Carlton Hasselrig, the late Carlton Hasselrig, six-time NCAA champion, won those champions championships at the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown in Division II. And so when you look at it, if it's a little bit of money and you're not uprooting, that's a big thing. Right Now, in Bud Dupree's situation, Javon Hargrave's situation last year, there's a yeah. huge gap. Don't blame him for going. It's a completely, I, it's like it's almost like apples and oranges when it comes because they're going for their second contract there and they're 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 at their height their height of their of their earning power. I will I will tell you this though, I will definitely tell you this: if you and I get tickets to go the see the Pittsburgh Tennessee game, I'll wear my forty eight jersey. It'll be black and gold, but I will stand <laughs> up. I will twirl a towel. I will forever love Bud Dupree. Yeah, I mean he was a. He, him and TJ teamed up and had a few great years here. So no hard feelings. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a business to these guys. Uh, they, it's a passion, but it's also a business and they have to, they have to earn as much money as they can when they can earn it because you, we know how the NFL is. I mean, look what happened to Bud Dupree last year. One play he's having almost an MVP like year or defensive player of the year like year. And, and, and he tears his ACL. So you just never know. So when the money's there to, to make, you have to make it. Isn't that why Mike Munchak left to Denver? His family lives in Colorado, I think, says NVRNDR. Yes, his daughter lives in Colorado. And people are like, why is he making this lateral move? Did they promise him something? Is there a problem? Does he not like Pittsburgh? No, that's a family thing. And I I love it. Russ Obenstein says, uh, UPJ Wrestling is a powerhouse program. Definitely was, definitely is. I'm sorry, Pat Picor has been there for so many years. One of the, uh, one of the greatest coaches in wrestling history that in division two. So just fantastic. And of course, Johnstown's my hometown. I talk about it all the time, but you know, so well, any, anyways, go ahead, Tony. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place tonight, but, but Dick LeBeau is another great example. He, he left here in the mid nineties. He was the, the defensive coordinator for that Super Bowl 30 team. 
he left to go to Cincinnati for a lateral move, and people were like, why is he doing that? Well, he had a history with the Bengals, and a few years later, he was their head coach. Maybe he always wanted to be the head coach, a head coach, but he knew he couldn't have that opportunity here. He went to Cincinnati, and, and he got to be a head coach eventually. So you just never know what's, when these guys make these kind of moves. It's, it's more personal than it is than we'll ever realize but with so many of them. We talk about football being a business, and it's okay for the Steelers to – to make a move because it's business. It's also okay for the players to make a move because it's their family business. And like I said yesterday on my show, family business trumps football business. I know football helps support your family, just like anybody's job. You have to be loyal to your job, but you have to be loyal to your family first. So that's what we were talking about there. We're going to start talking about future Steelers and the draft. And one of my favorite parts, and I know, gosh, Jeff Hartman loves draft day trades. And we're going to talk about Steeler draft day trades. And for everybody that says, you know, the Steelers, people talk about the Steelers not making trades a lot. Tony, they've made a lot of draft day trades over the years. Yeah, they have. Uh, we were going over it before the show. You were doing, you were actually doing the, the legwork and doing the research. And I couldn't believe how many you came up with. It, it's, you know, I just remember the, a few of the famous ones, but they made a lot of, and a lot of them were important. They turned out to be help them get the Super Bowls, win Super Bowls ultimately. So yeah, they've made their share. Some of them good. Some of them bad. Some of them, eh, they didn't do, they don't mean anything. Right. But we're going to talk about some of these. Now I'm going to let you start this off. When you're thinking of draft day trades and the Steelers, and there's been a bunch of them, what do you think for you? In Tony Defio's mind, what is the number one Steeler draft day trade? Oh, it's 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 simple. It's it's Jerome Bettis, 1996, the year that they drafted Jeremy Stevens in the first round, and they traded their second round pick to get to bring in the bus. Who he was he was the battering ram at that time, but he would eventually become the bus thanks to Myron Cope. To me, it doesn't. That, that's the that's the the I'll never. That's it changed their whole history. So they gave up a second and a fourth round pick. Ernie Conwell was one of them. He, he had a good career for the Rams. Nothing fantastic, but he was the tight end for the Rams that they got out of that pick. But they gave up a second and fourth for a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And they Rich Brooks in St. Louis at that time did not know that he had a future Hall of Famer. He did right. not fit his offense. He... Bussy was in the doghouse. And, you know, the thing of when you think of number 36, you don't think he was never in the doghouse in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. But there's there's situations where there's some environments are better for a player. Yeah, sometimes a change of scenery is all, 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 all you need. And could you imagine a, a better marriage than Bettis in the city of Pittsburgh at that time? What, what we loved as far as the the uh, smash mouth football. I mean, what did what did. What did uh, Bettis say? You know, I, I want to retire here, coach. What did Coward say? This is your bleeping city and you're my bleeping guy. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. It was a perfect marriage. It definitely was. Now, so there's some really other interesting trades to talk about. The other great ones, of course, you know, it could be 1A, 1B on this, and it would be Troy Palomalu. Now, back in 1990, excuse me, 2003, the Steelers were trying to figure out who they were going to pick. And I remember watching this draft. I watch every single draft mm -hmm. like crazy. I mean, I'm glued to it. I was, I gotta tell you, Tony, mm -hmm. I was in 
Las Vegas with my buddies at a bachelor party weekend. And I remember we're, uh, we're playing casino golf and we had this card where you had to drink and do all this stuff there and like at different places. And we were at a, a certain casino. I don't even remember which one it was in the middle of the day. Uh, the first round of the draft was on a Saturday that year in 2005 mm. and they're all playing and they're like, bad. Will you come over here, please? Mm. And I'm like, no Steelers are about to pick. I think it's going to be a tight end from Virginia. And I'm like, come on, Heath Miller. <laughs> And I'll never forget me just stand, standing in the corner of a casino alone. It wasn't it wasn't busy. And I'm just like, I'm waiting because I love the draft. So I remember watching the 2003 draft. And there was a lot of talk that they were going to go after Larry Johnson. And being a Penn State fan, along with Pitt, along with West Virginia, I, I knew a lot about Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they were going to take Larry Johnson. I did not know much about Troy Polamalu. I knew he had long hair and I knew he was Carson Palmer's roommate. Right. And that's all I knew. So I'm watching the draft and I remember them talking about getting Larry Johnson. And so they're at this point, they could get Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson's still on the board, but they make this deal. I'm like, wow, where are they going with this? I mean, I heard the rumors about, it's just not like it is now. I mean, we have, we know almost every move they're going to make now. Right. Because everything is speculated. Right. But so they make this trade and they pick Troy Palomalu and I'm like, yes, okay, this guy looks, I mean, they were, they're raving uh, ESPN, whoever I was watching at the time. I don't know whether it was ESPN or the NFL network. They're raving about this guy. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this is a good deal for them. And this, the Chiefs had worked out for the Chiefs, too, because the Chiefs ended up getting Larry Johnson 11, play, 11 uh, spots later. So they, I believe they picked Troy at 16, or was it 15, Tony? Do you... I think it might have been 13, but I, I'm not, sh- I'm not exactly no, sure. I'm pretty it was... sure it was either 16 or 15. Okay. Okay, yeah, it was. It was. They definitely moved up what eleven spots to get him. Is that what it was, or is it? They moved up a, a good bit to get him. Yeah, that's. I... No, you're you're correct. Yeah. That's uh, in fact, they uh, I could probably tell you because I have it right here that that little site that I was looking at. Um, they moved up eleven spots. They traded what they did. They traded their two thousand and three first, their third, and their sixth. <laughs> round picks to the Kansas City Chiefs. So Kansas City got a third round. They got a sixth rounder out of it. Steelers got a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- I'd say it worked out well. I mean, really, really well. I mean, people, a lot of people, they they they, they love the, uh, they, they, they treat all these draft picks, even the later picks so preciously, but sometimes you got to, you got to, you got to give up a, a, some to, to get something. And I would, I would have traded a couple more picks in retrospect to get Troy Polamalu. So it was the 16th pick is where the Steelers ended up at and Kansas city ended up at 27. So there you go officially. Cause I was a little confused on that. Uh, so Tony, now let's talk about a famous trade that the Steelers made on draft day that to this day, fans are really upset about <laughs> and it was only moving down four spots. What do you remember about 1990? 
I remember they they got themselves a pretty darn good tight end in Eric Green, who was kind of like a precursor to Rob Gronkowski as far as being a mismatch. But people remember it as them passing on the chance to, to draft the greatest rusher of all time in terms of yardage, and that was Emmett Smith. But it really didn't. It really wasn't in, in that context. It really didn't happen that way. So here's what people are forgetting about that. And you and I talked about this before the show. They were not going to pick Eric. Uh, excuse me, Emmett Smith. They no. were not picking him. And they really, because they didn't know. They didn't, they did not need a running back in the first round because what they thought they had based on his rookie year, they thought they had a pretty good runner in Tim Worley. Exactly. They didn't know they didn't know that he was gonna have injury problems, that he was gonna have substance abuse problems. Right. They didn't they didn't know that he wasn't going to last. They didn't know that. The 770 yards in seven touchdowns, I believe, in his rookie season. Could be seven, could be five. I think it was seven. But they didn't know that that was going to be his best season. Right. He looked like a like a potential franchise running back. He was a top 10 pick, and and uh, it, it looked like he was going to ha- have himself a good career. There was no need for them to, to draft Emmett Smith. If Emmett Smith was as great as, as he, he turned out to be, he wouldn't have lasted t- to that point anyway. The worst part about that, though, Tony, was that they got, I mean, they got rid of, they uh, they didn't get that much out of the trade because they only moved four spots. I can't even, I don't even think I have it written down in my notes what they did in that Emmett Smith trade. But the worst part was that he went to the Cowboys and mm-hmm. they faced Emmett Smith. They helped create a dynasty. Maybe that's the worst part of the trade. They helped create the Dallas da- dynasty. And if if they don't let him go, they end up with uh, Steve Broussard instead of Emmett Smith, and right. may, maybe another team is talking about that. So I kind of wish they. I still wish they didn't make that trade. They might have been able to. I mean, you take Eric Green at sixteen. That's fine. That nobody's complaining about that draft. So that's one I'd like to have back. And, you know, I mean, that we talk about this the uh, football time con- continuum and how that would change everything. So, exactly, I'm good with it now. Yeah, and and who know, who's to say that the Cowboys still wouldn't have had a chance to draft uh, Emma Smith anyway? A few a few spots later, I mean, who knows? They very well could have. Uh, but they they wanted him so bad that they moved up for him. So there must when you make those trades, you have pretty good intel that another team is going to take him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you're probably right. But that. But here's another thing that that Cowboys line was so dominant and big and huge that another decent running back probably would have. It wouldn't have been Emmitt Smith, but he probably would have helped them win those same Super Bowls. So. Quite possibly, and that's yeah. that's true. So we could lament on that all we want. So let's talk about another great trade for the Steelers, even though this one wasn't. But we just talked about would he be there for the Cowboys? Well, would have Santonio Holmes been there at number 32 for the Steelers in 2006? So many people think not. That was a trade that they made. And I remember talking to my buddy Chad on the phone and – and I, we're talking. He's like, "So who are the Steelers going to pick? I guess they're not going to get San Antonio." And I'm wa- I'm watching it. I'm like, "Well, they're picking next. Uh, I mean, the Giants are picking here, and so we've got to wait seven picks." Then all of a sudden, 
yellow comes across the screen and it says Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they, they traded, they traded, they traded. He's like, what are you talking about? They just traded the pick. It's San Antonio. They traded the pick. Mm-hmm. I just went crazy because I knew it was going to be San Antonio Holmes. Yeah. San Antonio he- didn't have a long career here, but he right. was a Super Bowl MVP here. I'd say successful trade. I would say so. I mean, that's one of the, we talked about that before. That was one of the most important postseason runs in Steelers history that he, he, he had in 2008, even at the end of the regular season, some of that catch against Baltimore to win the division. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a, a, tra- a trade that was uh, well worth it. So Tony, let's go ahead and take a break here. We're just going to take a nice uh five to 10 second break. It will only be five seconds. I promise. If you are on YouTube or Facebook, just take a big stretch. We will be back right after this. If you are checking us out on any of our podcast platforms where you download your favorite podcast, what I'm going to ask you to do is just flip on over to number two. It's as simply as just go and click. And that's all you got to do. So we will be back right after this on the Steelers hangover. <laughs> 